Something is announced by your life, my love. Something is announced by your every thought and your every action, by all that you have been and in all that you are becoming. Have you forgotten who you are? Have you forgotten what you came here to do? Know there is a reason why you chose to be born into this moment of unprecedented challenges and transformative opportunities. Remember to remember from whence you came as you step into the power of your true name. For you cannot know how much you can love, what gifts you can give. There is something announced in you that is unique, a secret dreaming fire that only your love may speak. And you must learn to trust the silent knowing of your heart as you surrender to the call of your ever-present potential. Something is awakening in you. Something is unfolding. Something is announced by your life. Something is announced by your life. Hello, everybody. This is the third episode of the Lost Under Heaven podcast, Love Unites Humanity. I'm here with Ebony. Hello, hello, hello. We're sat on our couch in our house. It is Thursday, the 8th of June. It's a beautiful, sunny day here where we live. A little town of Ramsbottom. And it is just about a week since we released our new record, Something is Announced by Your Life, <laughs> which we uh, casually have posed upon us next to Woody, our guru. Um... And we thought we'd have a relaxed, casual conversation about the record, the creation of the record, the experience of releasing it independently. We reached out to patrons and people on social media if they had any questions they yes. wanted to share. And, and we have a whole, whole list of uh, a variety of very interesting questions. Some, so I think this is going to be a very ones. full and rich episode. Indeed, indeed. So, I'll start by asking you the first question then. A week has passed since the album has been released. How are you feeling? How am I feeling? Today, I am feeling very calm today. But I must say the whole week had a whole platter of different feelings and emotions and experiences but I, in general, I am feeling very grateful and happy and I'm really proud of the work we created. Um, yeah, I've got a very strong connection to this whole record and the process and the journey. It's like if I reflect back on the last six, week, uh, six months where we focused on putting the record out... Mm. I feel I've been on some sort of roller coaster <laughs> of different experiences and each month and each song as a single had its different flavors so far. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, I think I'm still in the moment of 
processing it all but there's also a kind of like a new excitement and clarity coming up for me personally on how to take it all forward to keep on moving yes how forwards. how are you feeling after a week well so people who've been following what we've been sharing for the past few months i hope will have got the grasp of the story of us releasing it independently um self-funding it with the support of our patrons and our own kind of uh, crypto hustle to make ends meet so we've been completely self-reliant in the process um over the course of the past year 18 months we tried building a bit more of a team making more connections and yeah just like fleshing it out in terms of a label different roles but for whatever reason and perhaps we'll get into different reasons I, I I don't know you know it just feels like the course of life in its way nothing ever felt right none of the connections felt the right thing for us and it took to a point or took us to a point where we have been doing every role every aspect <laughs> wearing role. every hat <laughs> which um has been quite a lot of work and for me I felt a lot of anxieties coming up I think it's this dual thing of really believing in the work really trusting the experience of creating it and the the kind of realizations on on that it brought um and wanting to give it its best shot in the world I don't know it's like it's like your kid you want it to go out in the world and have its best chance of getting uh I don't know what you'd say getting yeah. noticed or getting taken by people so so with that there's been a certain level of frustration that we both have experienced but then it's an interesting thing to navigate that frustration because it's like you want to be acknowledged you want to be seen for what you're doing you want to be um just it, it, the work to be engaged with with the level of intent that you put into it but i know the nature of this world we live in these days with the amount of um how do you say that uh well there's just a lot of stuff out in the world that's at asks for t attention right yes, so especially on social media and the amount of work that's out there and mm -hmm. people trying to push mm -hmm. it so you have to also ask yourself well how do i want to approach it in a way that feels more to my heart and holistically sure. yeah that's yeah. how i i've experienced that aspect and i mean within that we've been quite headstrong and though i've been experiencing certain amounts of anxiety quite I don't know fearless in our approach of we're just going to do it in the way that feels true to us and on the back of that I I trust that the people on this planet at this time who need to hear the record will eventually hear it it will reach the people that need to hear it um there's some certain like sometimes timing just works unexpectedly mm, i think mm. we we watched a f interesting film recently about just in short about the work of hilma f clint mm. and she created all this amazing work but she had a feeling it was going to serve its purpose at a later time mm. and she 
came to peace with that and also just again this there's a surrender happening right yes yes surrender and just accepting where we are in this moment and i think when i create work i think we share this maybe sounds a little grandiose to say but i have at least the aspiration to make true art and with that it has a sense of timelessness that it speaks to the eternal human condition it isn't engaged with the zeitgeist of contemporary which i feel so much of the culture you see coming by now is just either very derivative and retro or just very very like transient in its engagement with the the flavor of the month trends the trend and trend and so i i feel like we're kind of out of time in that way we're we're on our own clock and um and also you know we didn't use any traditional pr we approached everybody personally directly and we did we wanted to do that for a reason because there's i don't know also just to build personal connections Mm. and previously other people were doing this kind of work for us and i think it's just asking yourself okay well is there any other way possible and by seeing there are so many creators out there that are able to build an audience without the use of like PR companies and it's not that I'm against the ideas of using a company like that or working with people but I I wanted to approach it <coughs> differently to see what would happen mm. and what's coming up I think there's a big part of that which you know again is like maybe slightly reckless or something but I was just <laughs> kind of intrigued what would happen um <laughs> Uh, and you know you live with the consequences of your choices in life but um, I think also it's that sense of having a middle man or woman who uh, is representing your work and we've always felt that those that have represented our work for us don't really communicate what we feel our work is about so we figured who better than us I think one thing that we've both desired to do and I, I feel you know this doing the podcast and more with a video and and uh putting ourselves out there more just as we are communicating the way we see and the way we feel we haven't ever really done in the past i've always been very kind of uh reclusively introverted um and kind of uh suspicious could i say of putting myself out there yeah whereas now i'm just trying to get over that you know but yes. speaking well, it, it, it is again it's an internal thing there's no one stopping you but yourself and mm-hmm. i i i learned that from experience and especially again because we hadn't been in this releasing of an album period for quite a few years so we came back to that with new ideas but then also finding ourselves stuck in not stuck but okay approaching it from certain old ways but then feeling that wasn't really aligned with certain values we hold Mm -hmm. so it's constantly kind of like oh wait am i expressing myself from the place i want to express from or where i have to shape something into something to like be able to push it and also in that sense of um you don't know what comes up until it comes up yes and that's why i've yeah 
I think that's really beautiful. And all you can do is be present with it. And I think if you said, oh, what's the main lesson you've taken from the last few months? I would say just approach every day, step by step and be present with everything you do. Be fully immersed. Mm -hmm. May it be this Mm -hmm. podcast episode. I am right here now talking with you and I'm here. I'm not thinking about anything else. Or is it about like okay i'm gonna put this song out and that's the full attention it's going to yeah, get yeah 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 and yeah that for me the trouble is or the struggle <laughs> is always and i mean it's the the modern social media age is like making value judgments about yourself based on the way it is received and perceived by others rather than when I'm in that moment, present with it, listening. You know, this is the one record that we've made that I've probably listened to the most, not just because I produced it, but mm. after it's finished, keep going back to it. And I, I genuinely, like, there's very few things that I would do differently with the record. And it just puts me in, it energizes me, it puts me in that kind of flow state of... um feeling like a sense of purpose and a sense of aliveness. Um, So going back to over this past 18 months of trying to make things happen and, you know, snakes and ladders kind of moving backwards and forwards, it's always just that reminder of actually like, no, there's something genuine here that I care about and I want to pursue. Um, Because when, when did we start the kind of like, when did you start writing and then going into the recording, it's probably interesting to give like a sense of a t- mm. timeline yeah, and what. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, f- I was just l- checking our questions, but I feel like this conversation just flows yeah, regardless <laughs> of question two. <laughs> um, sorry, what am I saying? When did we start? When did we start? I feel like the process of making this record started in the inspiration for it beginning in 2019 the end of 2019 midst of 2019 um but the actual recording of it wasn't until the autumn of 2020 um around about something like that so i i placed the the inspiration in a few kind of pivotal moments that happened in 2019 following the touring and release of our second record um i mean i can talk about them i don't know if you have anything you want to well i think just to i think that year was for both of us a very transformational year on like many levels Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah my I'm just thinking where to start with it because I think the my starting place at least was the real feeling of disillusionment and burnout post releasing love hates what you've become in that mm. whole period um my kind of worldview being very characterized by rhetoric that I was and sort of assimilating from Extinction Rebellion stuff that I was engaging with and books like the 
inhabitable earth. Just you, you were a bit of a black pill doomer. We both, we both carry that quality. Mm. That just well, you know when you particularly in that moment, I think yeah. it was a sense of, um, I'd say just a real sense that the world was going kind of in a catastrophic direction and a feeling of complete hopelessness, powerlessness. And I don't know, like uh, the feeling that you just didn't, you'd gone past caring so much that you just, it almost came into a misanthropy towards <laughs> people, humanity. Um, but in that, in the midst of that, the one thing uh, was... Uh, well, it, discovering this Alice Coltrane record, the lineage of it that I follow is, mm. discovering this Alice Coltrane record of um, what we found to be Curtan, and then remembering that my dad's old friend Peter Barrett sung Curtan, connecting with him. And for me, there was a surrender. And I had this memory, actually. The first um, session we went to with Pete, he ended it by playing his song, um, which I can't pronounce the actual title, Ishwari Panda, well, of I Surrender oh, yeah. and Trust the Universe. So Pete Barrett is a songwriter. Um, yogi. Yogi. A songwriter, a yogi. Bhaktananda is his, uh, his name. He wrote this song and the chorus of it goes, I surrender and trust the universe will give me what I need. I surrender. And I remember him playing it after we did this curtain session and I was sort of stood on the outside of the circle and everybody was everyone's dancing stood like, up and danced you to dance and I was just like <laughs> I was like oh my god this hippie shit is making me so <laughs> uncomfortable like I, I remember just feeling in my body that sense of like um you know judgment cringe like well what are people imagine if some you know my cool friends saw me right now and then at a certain moment I was just like fuck it I'll just um embraced the dance and you know took a little spin around the room and had a laugh and though it is quite a simple moment in a certain way there was a, just a little a tiny little bit of surrender in that moment which is yes. letting go of um that whole con construct it's a shift as well because you shift from being up in the mind more into the body mm. and yeah. like instead of kind of like navigating everything from thought Mm -hmm. like you know what i'm just gonna go for it and see how it makes me feel mm -hmm. and the body loves to move mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> and so from there we uh embraced kind of things that peter barrett was offering and teaching i know i did particularly so that was the chanting of mantra and making a practice of that um i think it was also a very beautiful experience of just all singing in group mm. uh, it carries a certain energy and also just to merge with all the voices and energy. I, I really enjoyed it. And just being open and listening and just mm. showing up with an open heart. I mean, that's a, a good a good point in the sense of within my burnout of creativity in a way, I had really lost. I hated being on the stage and just that whole dynamic of playing in the rock rock band and it just like it all mm. felt really false and um kind of constructed the stage the singer blah blah so the the circ 
circle of singing in Curtain. And though somebody leads it, it's like call and response. And it's yeah. not really about any individual. It's not even about your own voice. It's just like becoming part of something um, more, the group dynamic. So from there, that led us to going to Portugal to be with Pete for a week-long retreat in October. I feel this is a, well, a very, for me, it's been a very important part of the mm. the story. And so one that I, you know, I've considered not talking about, but I just wanted to mention it today in that chronology of creating the record. So essentially, after having a seven-day, very beautiful experience with this group of people, a lot of very, very opening and um well, just saying? deep work deep, deep work kind of heart work. heart since we went to the beach and two of our group a uh, very beautiful couple danny and kim got caught in a riptide and dragged out into the ocean and died and it was devastating really it was it was well, I think it just left a very big mark. It mm. was both because everyone was present there and you go through quite like a... You just get shocked in a moment and you're also so present, but it lingers on with you. So there was a big period of grief present mm-hmm. for us, mm-hmm. already on top of personal transformational processes. And then you carry the grief. And then a few months after... Well, can I just yeah, speak yeah, about yeah. that a bit before going uh, into the months after? Just I want to say, and it's something that, again, that I've, I sort of have an impulse to talk about and, a, and at the same time a real reservation from talking about it. But uh, essentially it really mirrored back to me this near-death experience that I had when I was 14, apart from in this moment I was on the beach looking out hopelessly to the sea whereas that was my mom and my dad when I was caught in a riptide in the sea and uh, well essentially drowned and then saved Um, and it had this kind of surreal moment like within the context and also to hold that grief with a lot of the members of the group were also kind of mothers and grandmothers and there was a very strong kind of feminine energy there and this yes this sense of just well yeah without going too deep into it in this moment I, I it was very very profoundly uh changing for me like it, it felt like it un unhooked something inside of me which essentially was a a depressive feeling that I had held throughout my 20s and it was in that in the face of death life just seems such a beautiful gift and miracle you yeah. know that you're my my doomer black pill attitude just suddenly felt so I don't know how you say just so childish so immature so disconnected from kind of the the experience of life it was like an intellectual problem it wasn't it wasn't real so that left us quite shaken at the end of of 2019 and our first response to that was creating love unites humanity the manifesto that we um, then released in the january of that year 
which I mean it, it speaks for itself it's still out there but it, it kind of sums up that moment the feeling of that moment of coming out of a certain sense of realism of the context planetary context of just informed by um you know circumstance but the real desire to to live in the face of it all and then 2020 unfolded as we all know 2020 yes made us all stop stop in everything that we did which i found i was very great in a way i was very kind of like grateful for that because I just didn't want to repeat another cycle of the things we've already had been doing. And so with the music, so I really appreciate it. Just like a bereaver moment and almost to really ask myself those questions around, well, what is it that you value around the creativity? How do you want to move forward? What have you enjoyed? What do you not enjoy? Mm. And I really felt I had a moment there to come back to myself Mm -hmm. And just pause for a minute and say, okay, there were a lot of intentions there, but they've got lost along the process. How can we come back mm-hmm. more to what we really care about and how we want to express ourselves and see ourselves? And it's also marked the start of our Patreon community. Yeah, so I, I just say there's, I didn't really have any sense of making another album no in 2020 no like we um we'd stopped working with mute and we had this idea of the creative studio that we wanted to develop and move much more into filmmaking and we had this video series that we were had written a whole uh, kind of episode series planned for um but the moment of the pandemic kind of put that video series sort of in the fridge in the, in a certain way stopped stopped it from happening and we started the patreon community and my main memory of that early period kind of um march april may was setting up just on this uh sp- the space in front of us yeah we just of, had the instruments out and just kind of like jammed mm. and played around and improvised and just kind of like went with the flow mm. and mm. see what came out of that yeah which was the first time in a way that we've ever really done that in the past our records have been made the past two records uh first two records sorry with me essentially writing the whole song producing it on ableton to a certain point and when i feel like it's there offering it to you you would kind of i'd have pointers ideas for you but you'd then bring your own approach to it and it would develop a bit more and then and then we essentially with the first two records worked with producers who then took the rough visions of songs that i had made and the kind of the sound palette the direction of them and finished them off you know cleaned them up um finalized it into albums so there was never a very organic back and forth of us playing music together. No, I think our approach to it has always been more from like what you said, like you would produce it. Mm. You'd be more like a producer. Yeah, yeah. Which when I reflect back on it, I'm like, why? (laughs) Why didn't we play together more? Um, I think that was mostly through my own kind of perfectionist, pedantic sense of like, this is how it should be. 
Um, whereas just playing together, I think most of the time we just were making drones and singing little kind of abstract things. Yes, so and no... working with like little loops and just vocalizing over it and to mm. see what would come out of it. It's good. Like, I remember it was with the song um, and Lullaby. And we, I think we just like, it was in the evening and we played for like an hour or two. And that was just like a little snippet within that gem. And we're like, ah, oh, this is, mm. this is a little pearl. Let's work on that. And mm-hmm. then that whole song kind of like unfolded mm-hmm. out of that. Mm-hmm. And I really like that way of working. That's naturally more my approach to things. And I think it's more when you leave like, time and space open for something to allow itself to unfold instead of trying to put it into form in an instant mm-hmm. i like that kind of like oh i don't know what's gonna come out but something is gonna come out very unexpectedly mm, mm, mm. something's gonna come out it makes me think of the title when you said that something is announced is that sense of an emergence that you're not really uh, kind of consciously aware of if you try and force it it doesn't appear it's just you have to give space and time and allow yes. what comes to come and obviously there's some sculpting and craft in the process once you have those those moments um, but doing that also just opened up space where so songs like Get Spooky was a really old song that I just carried around for like a decade more I started writing it when I was 17. I think there's a demo out there somewhere. But this kind of creative flow that we began, I just, I remember just going and sitting by the river on most days. There was Mm. that beautiful weather and and just going through old notebooks and writing lyrics and just allowing, again, without any real purpose or like vision of what it was going to be, just allowing, allowing, allowing. And, um, and yeah, and for, so we had saved up money through the patron and we decided to start booking into the studio, studio. Pinhole Studios with Adam, uh, Adam Gorman in Ancoats. And just, we started just working on a song at a time, really. Yeah. And I think also the fun thing with this record is like fully crafted and created within like Manchester as well I think the first one to fully be within that kind of like our home base now and working with local other artists yeah other than Gam down in London um, string string player uh, who did the cellos and um, string arrangements with Harry Fosen Smith Um, yeah I just wanted to look back on uh, questions because we started talking about that some insights in the creative process behind the album how did you approach writing and recording the songs uh i'd say also so initially we had like three or four songs and we thought oh we'll make an ep and we'll put that out in 2021 and then our friend lily p liverpool pete i remember we took a walk with him on the beach on that really beautiful day and he said why make an ep it'll cost you the same amount to make an album or, you know, like in the sense of putting it out, releasing it. Yes. And just like, yeah, what, why bother with an EP? So we were like, that's a good point. But for me, an album's always a bit like, you know, it's like a book. It's like, 
it has to be a coherent body of work and i don't know i i, I still have maybe an old-fashioned attachment i know you you no, are, are doubtful no, of this but, but, I, th- but I think though it's true with those like the three records we've created they are they are like th- little books but i think in our way moving forward like can you can we move out of the idea of the album and yeah. I mean, there's a lot to play with, but I, I agree with you on that. <laughs> well, I mean, it's like for better or for worse, I just have that sense of gravitas around an album that it's got to be, yeah, it's got to be a, I don't know, I don't like that word, a statement, but it's, it has to have a purpose. I think it's otherwise. often also just like it, it, it captures a moment in time, a moment that you live through and that, that then gets translated mm. into song and mm. music and songwriting because I love looking back at all these records and r- I can really just see even the kind of like symbolism and archetypical energies that present themselves and where we found ourselves in our own personal process and just it's quite wonderful to see that I think we have a nice question in relation to that as well which is the um, this like okay something is announced by your life how do you feel that that album differs from like the previous two records Mm. in a way are there different elements and ideas there Mm. i mean i feel it's fundamentally different almost to the point where i feel like it's a different it's still we still put under the name of lost under heaven and it's an evolution of that because it's still me and you creating it together but um it sounds very different i sing very differently yes that's right um i think also it is uh, has a lot more uplifting and softened energy mm. around in this whole record yeah which is interesting because i said that to some people okay. and they also are like well, when you think about certain songs of ours, when I think of Lost Under Heaven, I always think of like Sorrow and like Savage Messiah and basically all the like, um, when I should say when I think of the old, old Lost Under Heaven, I think of much more of the antagonistic yes. kind of dystopian aggressiveness yeah. that was very present for us in our early years of creating together and just our general outlook on life it was sort of like us against the world yeah uh the world's going up in flames and we're running away from it um whereas this record and several experiences around the creation of it is like the feeling of no longer wanting to change the world or run away from the world but belong more wholly to it a real sense of connection and uh, relationship with creation in all its many forms and kingdoms. I don't know, not just like humanity, but it's just like a real alive sense of um, being. You choose to actively engage with all that presents itself in life Mm -hmm. instead of being a passive observer or just kind of like letting yourself be swung around by everything you can approach this way of living from a more centered way of being and feeling and experiencing the richness of what it has to offer Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and 
maybe another quality I like to pick up on, and it's a question to you, it just popped into my mind. I would say this record more so also has a very storytelling quality to it because I feel each song to their own is a little there's a story unfolding and Mm. some even more than others Mm. have almost Mm. that kind of like a myth Mm. quality to it Mm. yeah I'm happy you pick up on that (laughs) Um, for me I've always had that interest in storytelling and I know I know that you know having been with me all these years there's like a a silent desire to be a storyteller in a more pronounced way um but i am am yet to really embark on that journey other than through song um and for me a song is always a little bit more abstract it's more like an atmosphere it's more like uh fragments and poetic kind of gestures towards a story rather than like though i really love you know kind of say like a johnny cash country style song that has like this and then this and then this like a series of events yeah but all that said working on this record i had become really i discovered the work of martin shaw in 2019 as well i think through the dark mountain project and and just become really um, inspired by oral storytelling and wanting to weave that sort of mythos understanding of, you know, telling a deeper truth through story. Um, So I don't know, that's a general sort of answer. It's something that I feel I'm more more drawn to. And actually, I mean, I was really impressed by the album that my dear friend Tom McClung made that was just like straight up stories and I was a tiny (laughs) bit like envious when he shared it with me because I was like man that's what I've been trying to do but he's just like done it in a more and his songs are on that record they've got a beautiful sort of how do you say it's like uh, a realism or just like I don't mean this in a rude way but a mundanity it's just like a very like simple like yeah love whereas the stories I'm always drawn to are much more kind of mystical and strange and almost like um fantastical in a way yeah um but that said all the stories there i I like having the record here to gesture towards like get spooky is really is like me telling a very personal story certain like events and highlights in the song are very kind of uh, documenting moments in my life yes and then winter's truth it's way that's told from like can we um or the re- question read yeah we can we can Ma- do that let's Ma- do it like that um just because matthew sent through a question that i read number 10 <laughs> uh, i like no, yeah, yeah, 10. yeah so i'm gonna ask it for you does the song winter's truth on the album stand out to you as something resembling a fictional novel written from a distinct perspective different from other songs Personally, I found it reminiscent of an old Elizabethan haunted mansion (laughs) and a love story involving a tormented vampire or something similar. It seemed to be present. It seemed to present a contrasting writing style to the other songs. Is this intentional on your part as well? (laughs) 
Or am I misrepresenting it? Perhaps it holds more autobiographical elements or conveys a statement. Can you share details about the song Winter's Truth? Uh, this was from uh, Thierry. Uh, yeah. But uh, specifically, how did you come up with the lyrics and what inspired you to use strings to create a somber chamber music ambience? One thing I would just want to say before you answer is one thing I really like is that that has been the favorite song of quite a few people. I mean, when I heard it, when you played it to me and asked to do some vocals to just freestyle on it at certain parts, it was my favorite song as well because it has a strange quality to it, which I really love. And even within doing the vocals at the end part of a song, it activated something within me. It activated a certain energy and I really felt it in my whole being and body mm. like uh, that expression came from a whole different place mm. that just makes me think something martin Shaw says about myth is it comes from bone memory yes rather than flesh memory of they like live the within fact. us yeah yeah the myths are all alive in us and they sort of have a autonomous life of their own that yes m- arises through us um yeah, shall I say a little bit about the yeah, writing of it, maybe? Yeah. So, um, the song started with the piano part. Do, 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 yeah. do, do. And I remember just playing this on the piano and having the kind of initial instant thought of being like, what is, this is like um, Beauty and the Beast soundtrack or something like it's It's always a little game that goes through my head whenever I basically write something that is good is like where am i ripping this off from and then i spend a a few days trying to work out where i've stolen it from and once i've checked cleared it proven to myself that i haven't stolen it um i then move forwards with it so just in its own way the the instant things that made me feel think of was kind of a fan fantasy um kind of a romantic fantasy but in that kind of sort of yeah like a dark gothic fantasy i don't know what you'd say can you remember how we got to the point of adding strings to it because i'm trying to memorize yeah well i think at what point that happened uh, and what it was just as we recorded it worked on it so from there we kind of the guitar and the different i remember Ben doing the drums and just having this the more we worked on it the more it just felt like it should be more reserved and tight and I just I think mm. also at the time we had watched like Anna Karenina there and uh, some other things and something else <laughs> do you want me to say it <laughs> yeah okay if I Here like it was funny once the song was finished and we had been watching this series no we were uh, to put some context okay because we don't just casually watch these things. <laughs> we were at your parents, and it was Christmas. And it, oh, yeah. we had sort of half worked on the song um, yeah. in the studio before Christmas. Then we'd gone to the Netherlands. We were with your parents. And as you do at Christmas, we needed something to watch on TV. And this new series, Bridgerton, on Netflix, <laughs> was there. And <laughs> Guilty pleasure. Yeah, right. Guilty pleasure. But I just, there's something about that era. I know it's a complete like uh, made up story for that have a era. Past life there. Don't we all? <laughs> Along with being the Queen of Sheba and uh, Tutankhamun. Um, 
but yeah, just like how uptight everything was and how underneath that uptight there was such like erotic desire that's so so pent up and buttoned up and just the outfits that they wear and the dance scenes. So it was actually after watching that and then I remember one particular dance scene and then we were working on it and the song after and we had started developing the conversation with Gam and I was just like, let's make this song mm. like really like baroque baroque yeah. like very string quartet da, 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 da. and i sent him some references and then he just came back with these ideas and we were like wow yeah let's push it in this direction um and then that whole post-rock end section just kind of happened sort of by accident like yes. we finished the song and then just carried on playing when um i was just like playing guitar and i think you were singing or something yeah. and from there it just grew this whole end section and it became this weird Bridgerton post rock epic. That's epic. the uh, no. marketing. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna put it out as a uh, single at one point. We should do, yeah, um, because maybe it's the one that people will will love. And then lyrically, I don't want to talk about it too much because I like it to simmer in the mystery. Yeah. But I'd say that there is that sense of well, even just that line that's towards the end what is lost in lust and i would say it's though it's a story that's kind of fantastical and sort of archetypical king queen so on and so forth it's essentially about an unfaithful king and it's not based on any particular sort of uh, narrative from our own lives but it's more in that sort of yeah like um Modern dream time. narrative well basically about how we live in this super eroticized f trashy sensualized like pornography seductions through the screen yeah right like energy harvesting um and what is lost in lust is like it's so given people are giving away their sexual energy all the time without really considering what their life uh, energy what they're um yeah selling off cheaply so there is another question in relation to song get spooky and that's to do with a certain line mm. and if you can provide any further insight into the line early one curb stomp morning <laughs> yeah you what, always say it like is, a hell what, what is the meaning well when this the... question was sent over because it's it, yeah. do you know you don't know I I've have my own interpretations, but I do not know your perspective, so I'm equally as well, interested. Well, I'll tell you where it comes from, but I realize it's actually really dark. Um, I had a feeling it would be. So curb stomp is like an incredibly violent way to kill someone. Um, and I remember finding out about it or hearing it in... Um, I don't even want to talk about it because it's so like vilely, disgustingly violent. But... Um, American History X, that film with Edward Norton. Oh, yeah. And he kills a guy. It's basically you stamp on someone's head with their jaw on a curb and it splits them in two. And then it's, when I realized, like, shit, that's where that lyric comes from. That's like, um, I was trying to paint a scene of, like, the inner, inner anguish, inner torment I was feeling and also playing upon this repeated imagery of, like, being divided, being at war, at war in my foolish head. Um, but then I realized when I was thinking about it, I sing it so just like kind of like dreamily and softly yeah. that it's such a violent 
image to sing in such a soft way so I don't know it it, uh, troubled me a little bit when I realized what it was communicating but it was also accurate to how I felt in that moment and I wanted to say this is perhaps the beauty of what poetry tends to capture it as you said really wonderful if I try to paint this image you're painting scenes and images with the words and sounds and even that being such like a, a, a violent kind of like idea but by you singing it in a very gentle way and the poetic approach it takes that harshness off of it and I think that's like poetry can evoke some that quality of presenting those feelings presented Mm. in such a way that you really okay i understand how you must feel or what you go through Mm. Mm. and then also for a lot of people they they don't have an idea what the words mean and they may might go on a yeah it takes some some well i just thought it was quite a a strange like curb some i mean a more gentle way of thinking about it also that i was like imagining kind of walking down the street at sunrise in a sort of heady frustration and just like stamping and kicking yeah. you know like sometimes people walk past a house and kick our bin over and you're like <laughs> what's going on with you today man i just thought i thought it was just like you being like in one of those kind of like sad mornings but just kind of like sitting alone by yourself on a curb <laughs> well but this is the interesting thing right because that would be the outer image yes. but my internal image and I, I don't know, I, I think everyone has a certain level of um, self-critic, but I oh, have yeah. come to realize, like working with John, the, my mentor and things like this, like I've, I have a habitual uh, kind of quite dark self-critic, quite nasty, like stuff that I would never say to another person. I say to myself, um, anyway, let's, let's uh, not, not stumble down that yeah, rabbit let's, hole. Let's have a look. Um, so the first song on the album you wrote they also started appearing but one there's a little story of dark days that i shared with the um that german radio station that i remembered oh yeah tell well just that actually the guitar riff i wrote on halloween (laughs) in seattle in 2018 i remember yes just like playing and I, it was before we went to the gig and I just came up with this little riff. Uh, okay. It didn't really develop into a song for obviously two years beyond. But that was kind of, other than Get Spooky, which was when I was 17. I tend to have like a box full of unfinished songs that could come alive at any moment when the inspiration Whenever you strikes. want to invoke them. Yeah, yeah. Is it because sometimes it's not even the right time for a song to emerge. Yeah. And then a few, like what you said with Get Spooky, it needs some ex- living of life, some experience to fully present itself in its form. Mm-hmm. I like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, how about this one? Did you face any challenges or obstacles during the creation of the album and how did you overcome them? I think for me personally, always, I don't really, like, it's becoming less and less, but I always have a bit of a nervousness going into the studio. Mm. Uh, but again, that's more my inner 
inner self and stories that will just say, oh, you're doing it good enough. Is it? And again, perfectionism. Mm. So I feel in general, I've been in a l- long process of trying to let go of that perfectionism and just do it. Just do it. Mm-hmm. Just create it. Just mm. sing it. Just trust yourself. And I think also to, to go back to the curtain that has opened up my voice in many beautiful ways. Mm. And I think I've grown a lot more confident in using my voice and expressing myself and knowing that I can approach it differently in its use. Mm. So, yeah, Mm-mm. I think that per, like a personal as a personal one <laughs> yeah yeah and for you well when i was reflecting on this question i actually loved making the album i loved the moment mm. of creating it and i found such a nice f- creative flow where i just yes. immersed myself wholly into it and it was sort of the escape from any other kind of concerns of you know the fact that we had no income or things coming in and we were just like in this strange moment post-pandemic well, in the midst of the pandemic, you know, just the creation of the record was like the the release and the escape and yeah. just immersing myself into it and challenging myself as a producer. Yeah, um, because it's the first record you entirely produced by yourself. Yeah. And you had a great collaboration with Adam. Like it's the been engineer, such yeah, a joy been... working with him and he's allowed us the space to approach it in how we wanted to approach it. And it, it felt really open mm. and like good flowing yeah yeah completely and I really appreciate like that ideal uh, relationship and circumstance there so uh, the obstacles all started for me in a way in 2022 oh uh, yeah of when we actually started trying to work out how we were releasing the record and i you know it's stuff again it's like let go of your stories i, I don't feel like i need to tell the stories but there are certain things mm. that were just like really threw me off my flow and just sent me into a lot of sense of doubt and just kind of um really wondering what we were doing and how we were doing <laughs> it and um i mean the one thing that probably was like the biggest blow that in reflection i maybe should have been a bit more anchored but we made this live film we invested we were going to get funny uh, funding <laughs> funding it was not funny it was quite funny in retrospect get funding for it but then that didn't happen and then i was like i really want to make this happen we've all got it organized i'm going to put our own money into it which yes. was quite a lot of money a big investment and then the last three songs of the film for some act of the gods the audio corrupted and we lost the audio of basically the what was the eighth song live set we lost the last three and it was sort of like the climax for me it was like yes. the best moments <laughs> it was yeah performances of get spooky dark days yeah. uh, black sun rising and we had a string quartet in general it was like a big investment and losing that i was just like i don't know i took it very not personally as like an attack on me but just like i think i had a sense of this is how I'd say it destabilized me, really. It was like I had a sense of like, yes, we're on the right path. Things are getting better. We're yes. working it out. We're going in the right direction. I trust. I believe we're going to achieve this. It's going to be beautiful. We're going to make our investment in it, and it's all going to be worth it. It's all going to kind of come into this beautiful thing. And then when that 
there's like a sequence of things of that not happening that that losing that audio then the crypto, crypto dumped yeah the crypto industry like boom and so and we're like oh and then we just had like financial. conflicts with people and um people just like sort of betraying trust and things like this and suddenly after a few months i was just like i'd completely lost that momentum um by the summer of 2022 i i i think like we were not the only one that were been put on hold uh, this of was course, a collective energy because i spoke to many people that are, have experienced similar things and i was like okay wait a minute we are not supposed to put this out at this moment in time yeah how can we look at all these things that are presenting themselves and are there lessons present course, what is it course. showing yeah i mean so, i completely accept that and it's, i'm not saying it's like some uh, like <laughs> you know my personal uh, burden but anyway the experience of it was like it really knocked the wind out of my sails yeah and you know in, in hindsight also when the questions about releasing in a, in quite a non-traditional approach with the music and not working with PR and so on and so forth in hindsight at that moment probably would have been a moment of trying to either find a distributor or a label to help us with the release of the record because we'd sort of been knocked back footed on it and we no, no longer had money, that much money to invest into the release and so on and so forth. Yeah. Like this is something that's just been present with me this week. So but I just want to say it. But let, let me just finish just yeah. to say. Um, but nonetheless, we stuck to our guns and our vision of what we were going to create. And though suddenly I was racked with doubt, like before that I was like, yes, we're doing it. And then suddenly I was like, yeah, we're, we're doing it, I guess. Like, really, we're doing it? Um, and, you know, again, it's like the the part of me that seeks safety and security and just like, I don't know, having support structures around. But I think the sort of reckless freedom that we've had in releasing it in the way we have, you know, has brought with it a lot of life lessons, which... I'd say, just to f finalize this thought, sorry, I, was, I thought you were going to say something. Um, if you hold the general kind of worldview picture that you incarnate into life to experience, the challenge, overcome challenges and take lessons and just deepen and grow through it, you know, this is what this path has. And I don't know what the next steps are going to look like now. It's completely like, I have no idea what's going to happen next. Flowing. But yeah, in that, in that way, I just do feel uh, quite liberated, like a lightness. And it's like, whatever we do, I'm just going to be present with full heart. In it. And even if it's, you know, something completely different, yes. then so be it. I always see that moment as like, the tower card in the tarot sometimes we do need a bit of a tower card where everything just starts shaking and like whoa i had a plan and right, god right. laughs at you and says yeah you had a plan and now it's gone and i knew by just reflecting and looking at things like we need to solid solidify the structure of this before we can fully move forward so it's all set to go so we can release and step by step, we worked out what needed to be done and how to move forward. Mm. And I think for me personally, I also had 
like I was doing a sound therapy study mm. so I was fully immersed in that and had a lot of tools that were very useful throughout the process but useful for your own kind of yeah just dealing with certain moments yeah, and processing with things yeah. that present themselves and sometimes you know when you go through personal changes and I I in the last two to three years have experienced quite like a significant shift in my understanding around certain things and it's almost like okay you say you have this let's test it Mm. and you get an experience or a person shows up or whatever to see if you live up to what you say you believe in Mm. but that's what i really had trouble with because i remember saying to john also before going into the live film i was like we're just going to do it I believe it's going to happen and I feel like I'm at a level of development now where I can, you know, I can ride any wave that comes at me. I can, (laughs) you know, I have a sense of self, a sense of purpose. I know what's going on. And then actually I felt like so completely after a few months, I just had this moment where it's like, man, I've completely fallen off the horse here. Like I've lost, entirely lost what it was. And then it sort of felt like, oh, so I'm at square one again. You get a bit of humble cake. Humble pie. Humble pie. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, what was this line where it's like you don't, I can't remember what it is, but you don't look at the heavens until you've been completely knocked down to your knees or whatever it may be, <laughs> on your back. Yeah. Um, there's a song in it, no doubt. So, yeah, there were a lot of things we started to take responsibility and, and kind of like a strengthening, an inner strengthening. And... Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's been like i am so great like i wouldn't have wanted to wish it for any any other way because i'm just grateful for everything that presented itself because i feel i've learned so much mm-hmm. i'm still learning so much well, we're still in the midst of the process yeah like, like i said yesterday when we chatted you know, want to say well now, I, I have a nice quote which i'm gonna say in a minute that okay. relates to all of this well i just f- finish on that thought yes. then it was it just Yesterday, as we were walking back from down the hill at sunset, and we'd been filming, and I was just like, I wouldn't have it any other way. Like, this is perfect. And all the feelings of, like, lack and scarcity that I've been, like, present with, um, it's just like I, I, I let, in the letting go, you just sort of start feeling this pulse of energy, uh, life force, where you just... I don't know, you feel a bit like delirious, hilarious. I always think of that, my favorite Kanye song, where it's just like, I just don't care anymore. I feel kind of free. And just like the childishness, like, I just don't give a fuck, man. I'm just going to live and love. That's what it's about. We've been taking everything way too serious. (laughs) Live, love, live, love, laugh. And on that note, let me introduce the archetype I wanted to talk about. I had a little piece of text and I think mm-hmm. it is perfect to just kind of like experience. Um, so as a kind of like an invo- invocation, I could I could tell you this. Boom, 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 boom. Embodying the adventurous, spontaneous innocence of the fool on a daily basis that is my intention embracing a leap of faith into the unknown with a deep trust in the self and universe i am choosing freedom 
I am choosing liberation, self-expression and authenticity. I see unlimited potential and infinite possibilities. And life is a blank canvas upon which one can create their own reality, free from any past expectations. Because life, really, is wisdom through experience. And I've gained so much wisdom the last six months in this whole journey around the album process, learning from experiences and mistakes, but seeing that even the setbacks can be valuable lessons on the creative path of self-discovery. Yeah, well, this also just made me think of the fool, but also like the innocence of a child and just being like, it's it's okay. I love it. You know, like it's, it's, I'm just here doing it. And I appreciate like there's maybe, I don't know how self-reflective a child is in the sense of gratitude, because I know that's something in recent years that I've really like tried to cultivate as, as, as a practice of gratitude because for so much in life you just take it for granted or you you can just take it for granted and yeah just the gratitude to be here doing it living this life and well yeah you know it's it's like it's okay I I think again on that self-persecution I I always had this sense of like I'm doing things wrong like I'm Mm. going wrong it's all going wrong and then it's like what what (laughs) what is wrong like (laughs) what is wrong um so yeah i like this the holy fool um embodying the holy fool i did actually with the return visual the treatment that i had made initially oh yeah i remember um, was all around the fool and this just made me think because of this question i love your music videos will you be making any more for this album yeah um in response to this question there's like two two thoughts one is yes we're going to keep making visuals. But the other one is we no longer have budget that we're putting into them. So we're just making them in a quite improvised manner. Again, like I had ideas. And as I said, I had this whole treatment for a a really great music video for the return, which I feel like is probably the biggest single on the album pop single. For me, it's the closest to a pop song I've ever wrote. But anyway, it's like, there's no money to make a visual. So we just, went out at sunrise a sunset with the gopro and we we shot some stuff and we'll make a visual and and again it's just like that letting go of like perfectionist artistic yeah, sense of like spontaneous action mm. i think uh, it's some another quality just to really embrace and instead of like oh i should do things like this i am doing this new kind of practice and i'm asking myself what can i do today that brings me most joy Mm. because when you do something that you really enjoy and it's the same when you're in a creative process where you when you just are so immersed into something the energy that comes from you is uh, it's like light it's Mm. uplifting Mm. and it's beautiful and Mm. it's that's what you want to bathe yourself in yeah yeah because i mean we we both have a real love of the craft of filmmaking Mm. and like great cinematography and and I don't know, like I aspire to make really beautiful, great film. And I feel like the trailer that we made or the stuff we shot there, the shadow boxing video sort of like reflects that sort of, uh, what do you say? Like high, high level yeah. taste and talent or whatever. But the other side, it's just like, who cares? You know, like people, um, 
experimental filmmakers that just work with like a I don't know BlackBerry and just shoot. <laughs> I don't know why I said BlackBerry. <laughs> Well, I, I, I used to have a BlackBerry and I loved the quality of the footage on it always. But anyway, the point being just you just make it and it's just an expression and, and that's all it needs to be. It doesn't, again, it's like that grandiosity. And this is a big part for me is like getting over myself, basically, like yeah. just being like, just do and create and have fun and don't be like, oh, but I'm making something so magnificent. Somebody give me a little gold star. That's basically That's all I ever want. want. Don't you? Like a sheriff Guys, star. can anyone send Ellery a little gold Please, star? Please, in the post. <laughs> no. No, I totally agree with you. And um, and I, this is where I see how, like, La International, the creative studio, will evolve itself. We have so many ideas for, like, visuals, films, story writing, poetry, like, and it's going to hold that as an umbrella and music is just one of our expressions, but I feel we have so much more to offer. Mm. And I'm really excited about that. And I start to see ourselves more and more as creators in that sense, not just as a label. Because a label is like, you, of course, you are a musician, but that's just one of the many things you are. Mm. Because it's it's hard. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I know, I know what you're saying. And I think it's just also being like, present to that diy energy just in the sense of like the amount of money that we invested in making video stuff videos and whatever it's like but you could just shoot it on your phone and true and i think also no i know the we're gonna go through a bit of a crazy creative shift with the sense of like how tools are with AI are being kind of like sped up in the process of creation, we almost move more to a way of being where there is a thought and we put the thought into the program or tool and something comes out. Mm. And I do not mean this is how you fully should create, but I see them as tools because there is a beauty, there's a beauty within when you have a, a thought about something and there's an image that forms itself into your own being because that's very highly personal to you but i do believe those two can meet Mm. but this is a this is a whole topic yeah yeah we should look and try finding someone who's like engaged with the ai yeah uh, from a creative yeah level and have a conversation with them because i'd be interested to i have a bunch of feelings around it that maybe we'll save but yeah let's save that one what is just to go back to the album uh what's your favorite song Uh, do you have a favorite because it's like asking what's your favorite child it's a bit of a strange question everyone always actually has a favorite child as well don't they um i i do think so yeah (laughs) um well i keep coming back to keepers of the flame because i wanted to say that just uh look at us so aligned we should uh go on a date or something there's just like a, a joyful lightness to it. I really like the tone of our voices and the way your voice harmonizes with mine. Yeah. I like the strangeness of the drums. I like how funny it was. This is a fun, a, a fun story. I, I don't want, it's no diss on Ben, but we, <laughs> we hired a conga. And I had this sort of, because we've been playing like with the curtain with Damien playing the tabla and it's like these crazy. 
and then I know it's just like the rhythm of the slow song is quite slow and whatever, but I was just laughing so much because I was trying to like get Ben to be groovy and it was so like bop, 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 bop. And I was like I laughing. Anyway, you had to be there. Ben it has been amazing as well. On yeah, this, shouts uh, out Ben Kelly. Shouts to Ben Kelly for yeah. providing luscious, wonderful, beautiful drums on this record. And just support and yes. energy and optimism and he's been just with like us joyfulness for a, a long like, time he's a i'm very much appreciate great for his soul <laughs> but yeah keepers of the flame for me is almost like it's this kind of like it's hidden like it's there i think but it's, it's a song that most people you, forget yeah, about or like but overlook. for me when i listen to it i don't know the, the quality just has like oof that's like you would see a floor of mud and that'd be a tiny shimmer in there. And that's like, well, take it out. And the floor of mud that is the rest of the record. <laughs> no, not like that. Yeah, I know. I'm you joking. know, I'm and is I don't know, it's a sweet, a sweet little song. A sweet little song. I love song. that one. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, there's Get Spooky, obviously. I'm very proud to have it finished after over a decade of... It's sitting around waiting for its moment. Lullaby, I think, has got, again, very beautiful interplay between our voices. There was a question from Matt that I wanted to just oh, yeah. say because I like... Um, he was saying about just the interplay between our two voices. And um, do you... There's, like, the intentional parts. So I just say, as from, like, my songwriting perspective, sometimes I really use this sense of dialogue between me and Ebony that I am the sort of the the fool character that I I am and then Ebony's voice in the lyric and the way that I write it reflects sort of like a higher self soul perspective that is sort of like softening or mirroring back to me in a in a more beautiful way so that's it, for instance in get spooky where mm. where I say my whole like little story of woe and then you go well what did you expect when you turn from your true self that it's like um has that dialogue which you know is is in some ways the uh the beauty of our relationship as well i think you mirror back to me the higher aspects of myself or encourage them um mm. yeah so that's yeah. something i would say what, what about you uh, I wanted to actually ask if, like, so when you write, do you often clearly know, like, this part is for Ebony or this part is from you? Or sometimes within the kind of, like, way of trying those roles, those, like, lyrics mm. shift because it sounds more better when me or you sing. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think with the way we talked about this record coming in much more of an organic flow and singing songs together in the space and you just find what works. I remember I, I listened to it the other day, but the first version of Dark Days I made oh, yeah. uh, and I tried singing on it and it just sounded like weird, like new metal or something. <laughs> <laughs> and then Ebony singing, it just brings a whole different yeah. quality. And I guess that's often when... The, like a song can have a bit more of a heavier instrumentality and then to have a more feminine approach added to it then adds this ethereal quality yeah. which is, and it's interesting how that works differently because sometimes I try singing it and I really like it I know it's, it has to be for Ellery mm, because it mm. just doesn't work mm. um, but it's always a, a kind of like um, we're trying to work out the piece of the mm. puzzle yeah, I remember on uh, there were some bits on 
is the second verse in Winter's Truth, I remember, that I really liked the flow and the melody and I was quite proud of it. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to sound so cool singing this. Like, I was like, <laughs> had this whole thing about this is my, my, my. This is my moment. moment. And then you sung it and I was like, oh, that just sounds so much better. <laughs> and I had, I remember having a bit of like a, not jealousy, but being like, oh, yeah, okay. That's yeah. how it will be. All right. There's some funny little questions at the end. Yeah, let's that do came them. Through. Let's do them. Um, so if you could be a fictional character from any movie, yes. TV series, so on. Who would it be and why? I would be Dolores from Westworld. Um, again, maybe going back to this strange thing of personal myth unfolding, but by having watched all those episodes, I felt such a strong connection to the whole subject and topic ma matter that's been presented within that around consciousness and her becoming awake and aware breaking out the loop but then also more and more certain experiences i have there seem to be like some symbolic connections presented within the show and i feel i'm just like i'm working out something personally but and that's why i feel that starting to uh, <laughs> take control of reality through your Hell yeah. creation of stories creator yeah which, which season particularly uh, oh. I kind of see you as season two with the gun belt. Yeah, definitely season around. two. Season one was more kind of like introducing. Well, she only breaks kind of out like, of yes. the, the loop. Season Plot spoiler. And you? Well, just on that, oh. when we were making the album artwork, and we came up with this maze idea, we had just finished watching uh, season Westworld. four of it. Was it coming out whilst we were making the record? Three or four. I can't the last season, basically. Anyway, and we were like half like oh no we can't do the maze it's just <laughs> it's going to be too westward people are just going to think we're like westward stands and everything we do is uh westward pastiche which i think it would be nice if it was more westward okay, well, anyway let's uh, uh my my character after thinking about this long and hard i i have two things to say so when i was younger like end of woo life beginning of lust under heaven i think i always in my mind idealized being someone like uh tyler durgan from fight club the one that brad pitt plays oh yeah like some kind of like badass anarchist out of outside of society yeah but i came to realize that this was not me in the slightest <laughs> um and a character i really resonated with in recent times is uh ginko ginko san from uh, mushishi the Japanese, the Japanese anime, anime. and I, I'd love to just wander around tranquil forests, helping people with their spiritual issues. I I think you also really resonate with uh, another character, who's uh, very similar but a bit more mischievous. Mm. Snufkin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Snufkin. So so you know, going through all this inner work, and I realize like the Ellery Roberts story is from Tyler Durgan to Snufkin is that's been mm. my journey journey of softening softening and just like you know just connecting um, with the great green world out there and not mm. caring about the uh, edifice of modernity too much anyway so here's another one if you could invite any three people living or deceased to a dinner party who would they be and why? 
I'm going to answer honestly because I want to have a weird table. Because you know people always be like, I want Kurt Cobain, da-da-da, and da-da-da. But I kind of, me personally, would love to be at a table where everything would just be kind of like contradicting and a bit like fiery and feisty and kind of like, Nightmare dinner pie. No. (laughs) (laughs) So... ah. Who I think it's going to be weird. This is just a momentarily kind of like uh, thing that comes up. I would love to have maybe perhaps, let's say, okay, I'm going to go. Sri Aurobindo, Ted Kaczynski, and Camille Paglia. Hmm. Because, I mean... They what? probably would get that a longer conversation okay, I think. Be, yeah, I think so. It wouldn't be too... Who, um, but who could I add, add to that where it would be uh, like... Like Andrew Tate or somebody. Um, yeah, he, he would be welcome on my table too. Uh, uh, the thing is, everyone is welcome around I'm, my table. Around my table. I just want to hear everyone's story. Because there's so much perspective and wisdom uh, and challenges to see. Whoa. Mm-hmm. what comes up so yeah that's just my take for the moment mm-hmm. <laughs> and you yeah i'm just thinking about i should have uh, considered it a bit more when we got the question what's the first thing that comes up uh, well the first thing that came up was is kind of like profound but also a bit boring i was trying to think of something more funny but um you there's this have a really funny table oh uh, yeah well so this is I, I, <laughs> well yeah exactly exactly so um yeah, so should I say, like, the profound, like, yeah, cool, bro, one, or try and come up with something funny? I'd say the profound one, because it's the only one in my head currently. Okay, go. So Tolstoy, yeah. Gandhi, yeah. and um, I forget his name, but he was, like, a um, a friend of Martin Luther King or an advisor to Martin Luther King. But they all shared this, there was, like, this lineage of thought around soul force. Uh, I think it was Satchita Granda, Gandhi and, and Gandhi. Anyway, I'd love, like to be involved with a discussion around that and the sort of mutual inspiration of kind of that coming forth within humanity that rises against oppression and overcomes. Um, so that's my like, uh, you know, cool story, bro. Um, answer to that question. I'll, I'll try and find something more sensational for for next life. Um, <laughs> Are we going to finish it with this? Oh, yeah, question? this one. I like this question because okay. it made me think of, you know, like those it. those ones where it's like uh, Kylie Jenner and uh, Travis <laughs> Scott and they don't know anything about each other. It's like, what's my favorite breakfast? If you could describe each other in three words, what would they be? Mm. What are three words, whatever comes up right now? <laughs> uh well, the, what comes up is not free words because it's what you said earlier. So I shouldn't say it. The still waters run steep. That's too easy. Okay, with Ebony Horn, the, I would characterize you as wise, mm, sincere, and mischievous. I like it. Those, yeah. are, those are only three of my qualities. Well, yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm offering free because that was the question. And with you, I, which just how I experience you, I'd say um, very inspirational, 
um, poetic and you have a certain kind of like headstrongness to you but i really admire that it's a good quality like you, you there's a per, strong perseverance stubborn as a grounded. goat yes it's probably all those capricorn placements <laughs> but i'm very grateful for it because it, it, we balance each other out so beautifully because you keep me grounded mm. if i like i've learned a lot from that and this is probably something we can say for another episode where we talk about this the, I think we should just do it more like Kylie Jenner and um, Dingy. Yeah, what? Like what? Where, where they've got like a pink, <gasps> pink backdrop, oh, yeah. and then they're like, "What breakfast do you eat in the morning?" So, and what's Ellery's like, favorite oh, breakfast in the morning? A uh, Fruity Loops. <laughs> what color are my eyes? <laughs> Fruity Loops. Um, all right. Well, <laughs> we've got to the end of the questions. If yes. anyone ever has another question yes, they want to ask it us, send in and. Maybe, Maybe we'll do it more re- frequently, like a monthly AMA, ask me anything. Just want to say thank you to ourselves for the creation of this record. And shouts out to all the patrons. Yes. If we were like... Uh, all the names are on the back. This back is actually Adam Gorman's record that I haven't given right. to him yet. It's signed to him. <laughs> That's fine. Yeah, we have all the names of our patrons. On if the we were like a uh, Let's Talk Religion guy, we could read them all off yes for for an hour we'll put them in the screen as well as like the final title but yeah thank you for listening and if you love what we do if you love our work if you want to support us um we have a patreon i will put the link in the description box and if you love if you want to keep up to date with any kind of like wait and if you want to stay up to date with any other episodes that will come through, please like, subscribe, and leave a comment in the description box. No, not in the comment section. <laughs> <laughs> yes, this is professional. Um, I have to step over over my cringiness and talking like this, so I'm just embracing the... Like, Hollywood. comment, subscribe. Yes. No. Or, you know, preferably buy oh, yeah. records. and It's available know. on our band camp. There's a whole other thing that we didn't talk about, actually, but that we've not put the record on oh, yeah. mainstream streaming platforms. So we, let's... Okay. Sorry, guys. I hope you're still with us. I just wanted to say one thing about this. That I've really been trying to get into the state of mind where I see somebody, I appreciate their work, and I support them in whatever way it would be so either i subscribe to their patron send them some money on like a paypal or buy their buy their record buy their film buy their art you know we have limited funds i'd like to be a become a patron of the arts much more so but i just feel like culture lives in such a vapid and passive way so often where it's just like i like it and it's like well if you really like it encourage them to keep yeah. on doing it do you consider that people you can support the people that create and the amount of like work. Uh, work and sort of of yourself that you put into a, a creation of art um yeah it's just like we live in an abundant world and that abundance should flow around um so that said support our work if you like it if you don't like it how have you got to this point in a podcast <laughs> Thank you for listening and we'll see you in the next episode. Episode Much four. Much love. Much love. Bye-bye. Bye. Skrrr.